Digital Dust is a history podcast about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have considered. Hey everyone, welcome to Digital Dust, a history podcast about the stuff you learned in school with a perspective you might not have considered. I'm Katie. I'm Liz. I'm Patrick. I'm Robin. And welcome to Digital Dust. Episode two. Woo! Episode two. Oh my god, we're, right. we're back. We haven't been canceled yet. <laughs> well, it's not a network show. We <laughs> that's not how it works. We will keep be we will be keep making episodes until such a time. Yeah. When the audience demands we stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, welcome to episode two. This is uh this this is gonna be the episode where we sort of get into each other's lives and answer some questions, uh, so that you you guys can uh, get to know us better. Someone ask a question to somebody. You start. Me. Hmm. Well, here we go. Uh, okay, Robin. Yes. What was? We'll go with the first. No, that's not a chaotic enough. Um. <laughs> when did you decide to go into 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 history? What when when did you decide to do that, Robin? Oh yeah, this one's a fun one. Uh, I was in business at first. <laughs> I know. I was studying HR. Yeah, that yeah no, that deserves that. Because <laughs> that's how I felt too. I was yeah. sitting in class. I was not doing well. And I'm like, well, what am I doing here? So I finally, um, when I was looking at the, the catalog of programs again, I, I came to art history. And I was so tempted to do it. I was so scared to say anything. And I told my dad about it because I thought, you know, I was being practical for him. And he's like, why aren't you following your dreams? You know, like, why aren't you doing what you want to do? And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> and then I, I flew right into it. And then ever since I, I haven't looked back, I've done really well, surprisingly. Well, I guess I made it to grad school, which is something I never saw before. So that's, that's how awesome. I so, ended up so, here. So did you like when you were trying to figure out what to do other than business, um like instead of business when you're deciding what subject you wanted to take like was it like art history right away was that the one that you knew did yeah. you like sort of think about a few in general or I guess like I thought about a few in general but I never like I kept you know like I was going through the book yeah and, but every time I kept going back to that description of art history I don't even remember what the description was but it's it made me think of my time in high school I was really good in art class I wasn't good at creating art but I was really good at talking about it writing essays <laughs> about it nice <laughs> you were you like, were the I, the, yeah. the teacher of artists <laughs> yes like I'd have a terrible like self-portrait that I would have drawn but I'd have like a beautiful like two or three page long essay because two or three pages in high school is okay oh but it'd be yeah nice and big. it's long the, and the yeah. golden age <laughs> exactly yeah. and like that's how I knew I was like yeah I always did like that stuff yeah. that's awesome thanks for that robust answer Robin <laughs> yeah i was like this one's actually loaded for me <laughs> yeah that's interesting and wait what year were you in when you decided to switch i was in first year yeah so you took econ then. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes i did oh. i, took I econ failed too. econ actually <laughs> i'm not surprised i almost failed econ i was one percent above failing so oh shoot yeah it's you hard what? you know what at huron which is where i did my undergrad uh well at huron we all obviously you know, like most universities you had to do like a science credit or whatever like like one of each you had to do a science credit a uh, humanities credit social science credit that sort of thing but at huron you could get out of it by taking something called the history of science which is a second year essay course on the history of science um, and it was it was still dense instead of learning like current scientific theories i had to learn scientific theories that made sense to like ancient greek people yes they were wrong a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
it was it was in some ways harder to try and wrap your head around these complicated scientific theories that you knew weren't true. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. Huh. You want to know how I got out of mine? I know this isn't a question, but it's relevant. I took a full year course that was called <clears throat> Physics for World Leaders. You heard that oh. correctly? <laughs> it was called Physics for World Leaders. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It sounds painful. It was great fun. It was taught by a real physics prof, and okay. it was a seminar. So we'd sit down and have conversations about what is a heat pump? How does it work? No math. It was beautiful. Next question. Someone ask it. Liz, do you like historical fiction? <gasps> Ooh, I feel like yes, but in a different way. So I have a literature degree. I, I have read a lot of different things. <laughs> That's where I actually kind of like started to find a lot of my love of history was in one of my second year courses, which was an American literature survey. It was full year. We kind of started from the beginning of America, which was the Puritans coming over and the kind of manifest destiny thing. And I just loved like reading Puritan literature, their, their sermons and stuff. It was so cool to like, you get these little nuggets, especially because I didn't go to Catholic school or anything growing up. So they're talking about Joe, but I'm I'm like, who's that guy? What did he do? And you look it up and then you're like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> you ever hear about Job? Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Who's that? Weird name. Okay. It is <laughs> Job ever do. <laughs> job? What? Job? Yeah, mine is literally job. job. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's that's job. Yeah. Job. And I love the classics. I really like, I love books that are set in historic periods. I'm not so much into contemporary historic fiction. That being said, in terms of like TV shows, I'm obsessed with Outlander right now. Um, Bridgerton was good too, but Outlander, especially because I have very Celtic ancestral roots as well. My both sides of my family are Scottish, and um, yeah, I just love it. And it oh, it just mm, it's so good. But yeah, I'll tell you for sure. My favorite book is Beloved by Toni Morrison. I think that is a really interesting book that's set in the past as well. And it's all about kind of the ghosts of slavery and the people living in the antebellum period. It's very interesting. That's anyway. cool. Yes. That's, cool. that's interesting. Good answer. That Thank is. you. <laughs> in depth. We appreciate that. Yeah, it was a little meandering, but that's okay. No, you were definitely the right person that's... for that question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good. <laughs> of all of us. <laughs> <clears throat> that was good. What's your favorite color, Katie? My favorite color is orange. I know you it's a controversial quick. answer. It's it's my um, aesthetic. If you've wow. ever looked at my Instagram, you'll notice they're all edited to look orange. That's, That's on purpose. Very yeah. warm tones. I like Whoa. it. So warm um, tones. Sharpay yeah. would disagree, but Sharpay <laughs> would disagree. Yeah, yeah, she would. Good answer, Katie. I have a question for all three of you. Ooh. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready for this? Yeah. What was the last text that you sent? Oh. Okay. Are we talking like Facebook messages? Text? Either. Text? Okay. You know what? Just like just text message, not Facebook messenger. Because I feel like the last Facebook mm. message post was to each other. Mine is just all caps locks, a snake. Cheers. Oh, no context. Sorry. Mine's super long because my friend who's studying <laughs> nursing right now, Emily, I don't know if you're going to listen to this ever, but shout out to Emily, you. Emily, you keep, better. Yeah, we keep up once in a while. And <laughs> I'm finally getting back to her. We're talking about how we're spending money on food and buying clothes as therapy. <laughs> retail therapy it's a thing yeah, oh yeah. It is. liz mine was to my my partner and i was telling him i said he's very good looking haha and um that was because i was talking about the bachelor 
and he was saying he's watched the bachelor before but he hasn't seen this this newest season and he was like how's the bachelor i think he meant the guy who was playing the bachelor not the bachelor in general but anyway katie what's this snake oh so um i was texting so i recently reread the iliad side note holy reread that yeah yeah I reread um, it, which means that I read it once before. Yeah. <laughs> and liked it enough I to love read it again. <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm already prepped to do a whole episode about retellings of the Iliad, but I have to read one more book before I can do that episode. So, yeah, because they're Bible sized. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Oh my God. I'm about to read the Odyssey. The introduction is 180 pages. Yeah. The translator's introduction. I was like, okay. Anyway, so my friend and I were talking about this, whatever, and he started sending me memes that weren't relevant to the Iliad. And this says, when you meet someone in Rotman, which is the U of T business school, oh, yeah. and you remember that time you forgot to tip a waiter, and it says, you know, I am something of a snake myself. <laughs> and so I just replied, a snake. I like that. Oh, fantastic. If, you, if you'd like to know, my last text was to my brother. Shout out to Nathaniel. Uh, <laughs> uh, saying, amazing. I'm so amped. Can you tell us what you're amped about? Yeah. I, I, if you want to know, yeah. Um, so Nathaniel and I are both um, D and D nerds, Dungeons and Dragons, great time. Yeah. Uh, and we watched a show uh, which many people watch called Critical Role. It's a great show. It's like a, essentially a recording of a group of voice actors uh, playing D and D. It's incredible. It's basically a TV show, and it's amazing content. And they're all wonderful, inclusive, delightful people. More to the point, uh, he was telling me about an episode that he just watched a recent one, and he was like, "It's so good!" And I'm like, "Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm so excited." Okay. Katie, what's the weirdest thing you've had to memorize for an exam? Uh, I guess this isn't weird, but it's just like a thing that history makes you do, which is, I want to say for like four or five of my courses in my third and fourth years, I had to memorize upwards of like 30 or 40 primary sources and be able to identify them on site, which was like not fun. And you'd, <laughs> like, you'd get a singular line. You'd get a singular line from Google's The Overcoat. And they'd be like, what is this? And analyze this line. And you'd be like, what is the point? Luckily, yeah. I love memorization. So it didn't really bother me. But I do, I have a photo of myself when I got the like exam breakdown. And they were like, you need to memorize all of these. You know, they're like full novels. And I, it's just me like with tears in my eyes being like, what is the point? <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> That's why I love doing an English degree. Because I, I, it wasn't like that at all. You can just bullshit. You just fake it till you make it. Oh, this is a metaphor for this. Oh, la, 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 la. and it's great. I love it because I was, I've never been good at testing like multiple choice or anything like that. I suck at. So I quite appreciated being able to bullshit. It's nice. Yeah. I wanted to do, actually, no. Looking back on it, I wish I'd done an English minor. Yeah. I think it would have been, I think I would have loved it, but alas. I wish I did like a gender studies minor. I think that would have been really fun. That would have been cool, yeah. Yeah, that would have been neat. There's so many cool things you can do. Yeah, right? You know what? I want to go back to this historical fiction discussion. Yeah. All right. Uh, Patrick, do you like historical fiction? Okay. (laughs) Why do I feel like this is going to be an essay in itself? (laughs) I love historical fiction. I think it's really fun. I... Literally, I think that I, I try my best to like sort of separate my my public history love from my just sort of extracurricular loves. Be, otherwise, I'll just think too much all the time. Um, so I love historical fiction just like for its own sake. I think it's always it's, it's always so fun. 
um, and somewhat silly and campy and, and great. Uh, I, I, I think I'm more into historical fiction in terms of films and television, kind of like Liz, than, than in, in novels. I haven't read many historical fiction novels necessarily, but um, I remember when I was a kid and I was like in grade, I want to say like seven or eight, maybe grade nine, like at like the beginning of my teen years, like, like, it's like changing between being a kid and being a teenager. And the way that I marked getting into adulthood was that I would go and see history movies with my parents in the theater and bad ones too. Like, I think I went to see Anonymous. Have you ever heard of that movie? It's like the movie about like how Shakespeare didn't write the Shakespeare plays and that it was someone else or whatever. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love that conspiracy. Yeah, so so I went to see that movie with my parents when I was in like, I think grade nine or something. And like 14 year old me was like, I'm an adult. Wow. I love them. I, What's your I, favorite then? It can be a movie or a TV show, but you got to pick a favorite. That's, I would have to like tell you the next time we, the time we record episode three, like I would need to review. Doesn't it be set stuff. in stone? Just like few, off the top of your head. I love a few. One, I love. I really like Selma. Um, I haven't watched that yet. It, it's, it's a more of a recent one. Uh, sometime in the 2010s. I'm blanking on the actual year. But it's about sort of the March in Selma with, with Martin Luther King Jr. And it's a really good movie, but I especially love it. And this is such a weird reason to love a history movie for it, but I love the song that goes with it. There's a song by John Legend called Glory. And it's the song it played during the credits, but it was like the song of the movie. You know how sometimes artists make a song for a movie, not a part of the soundtrack or anything, but just like an actual like song. The feature song, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was up for an Oscar the year that, that Selma came nice. out. Um, but it's as someone who's interested in part of me in black history as someone who's interested in sort of knocking down the myth that that uh, racism is over or whatever or that racism isn't that big of a deal that once once black people weren't slaves and had the the right to vote and segregation was over everything was fine like that myth that sort of idea um and i, I just think the song does a really great job at just sort of like getting at how race relations in the past are so somewhat race relations now and and how you can just sort of you just feel what it sort of means to be uh, African-American in, in the States. And it's, it's just such a, a powerful song, and I love it so much. The movement is a rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is juxtaposition in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, the spirit is revisiting us. True and living, living in us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walked through Ferguson with our Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah. love the line where he's like, justice is juxtaposition in us. I was like, that yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. It's also good like, lyricism. Like, honest to God, yeah. how how white of me is it <laughs> to, to be like, this black artist, like, he knows yes. racism. <laughs> he's black. He knows what he's talking about. Like, of course he does. I'm sorry. <laughs> this isn't a revelation or anything. Yeah. Anyway, John Legend's wonderful. The song is wonderful. The movie's great. I have a follow-up question for everyone. Okay. Which is what is your and don't don't wimp out on me now all time favorite song? Oh, what, dude? Yeah, yeah. You want to know? You want to know my answer? Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna get punched for this. Uh, uh oh. My my all time favorite song is the entire discography of Bon Jovi. It's <laughs> my song. Whoa. <laughs> what about that says song? <laughs> I don't know why 
but when I was a kid, I just got really attached to Bon Jovi's music. <laughs> and as a child, I was, I was really obsessive over stuff. And so I would only ever listen to Bon Jovi. Like I didn't care about other artists. I didn't care about other music. Bon Jovi's My... a group? Is that yeah. a person? Yeah, yeah Bon Jovi is a, is a band. Yeah. But yeah. like they have songs like Dry County and These Days and Hey God and Keep the Faith and like like all these songs that like you really know if you're a fan of Bon Jovi, but if you're not, you would never really know. I think I've listened to a single Bon Jovi song. That's fine. That's one. most people, I think. That's true. Yeah. You want to know a cool Bon Jovi fact? You Give Love a Bad Name came out on their third record. But their first record had a song called Shot Through the Heart. Now, if you know the song You Give Love a Bad Name, <laughs> the, 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 the chorus goes, Shot Through the Heart and You're to Blame, You Give Love a Bad Name, right? So anytime you'd ever say the song Shot Through the Heart, everyone's like, oh, that's, that's You Give Love a Bad Name. But there's actually a song called shot through the heart that was released a couple years before we're actually a bon jovi podcast now yeah Yeah. (laughs) please we tricked you into getting this far (laughs) yeah yeah i'd like to hear everyone else's answers you've had more time to think about it as patrick rambles wonderfully terrible answer as well let's go girls um shania twain's greatest hits Oh yeah. Any man of I, mine? Yeah. Of but course. if you just throw on that CD, I'd be jamming. Okay, fine. We can do a CD. I Does guess make the it CD is not impressing me much. Uh, yeah, beautiful. Oh. I'll do a song, but mine is like not like mine's more sentimental. So my favorite song of all time is Moon River, which was originally by Henry Mancini in Breakfast at Tiffany's. But the story behind it is my granny and granddad, which are my dad's parents. They had the sweetest marriage. They were the sweetest people. They had five boys, uh, but their song was Moon River because they live almost all their lives in Bala on Moon River. And me. So go off on Taylor Swift. Go ahead. (laughs) I knew you were going there. Here's the problem, okay? You guys introduced an album, and my album pick is totally different from my song pick. You both. So I'm like, no. Okay, fine. Um, my album pick would be the Mamma Mia soundtrack from Broadway. Oh. Yes. It was raised yes. on it. I was in Mamma Mia. Don't ask me why. You were, who did you play? Yeah. Sam. You played Sam? I did. I played Sam. Oh my I, god. I, I, I was nothing s- like Pierce Brosnan, but I played Sam. You know what? Pierce Brosnan was a bad casting. That man can't he was. sing. I- <laughs> yeah, for real. He can't yeah. sing. Yeah. And Dr. they had to cut out so many good songs because they were like, they had to cut out the best song, which is Thank You for the Music. Um, but anyway, yeah, my parents listened to that almost exclusively when I was a child, but also Great Big C's Sea of No Cares. Oh, we threw that in from time to time. Yeah, yeah. good songs. Wow. Yeah. Um, but my song pick would be, then this is super random, and it's very new, um, but the band Bastille, which is my favorite band, um, has a song called Final Hour, which is literally just them singing about Barack Obama's last speech. Oh. I would highly recommend it. It's really good. Wow. Um, and they just talk about the fact that he cried, and they're like, I love that, man. Peace. Wow. They're not American. <laughs> if, if I may ramble for another moment, if that's all right. Of course. Right. Of course. <laughs> Of course, it's fine. My my friend, my good friend named Jules McCools is a is an artist and uh, he has an album out and I would be kicking myself later if I didn't promote it to the two people listening to this podcast right now. Go check out at McCools Music. 
on Spotify, on Instagram. Do do check him out. It's a great album. He's a great artist. Mm. Good guy. We love that. I'll link all of his deets in the show notes below as well. We, we stand. We, that's great. I have a question. I have another question for you guys. This question actually comes from my good friend, Louisa, who's a Huron student. This is a question that she asks people all the time. Uh, get ready. The answer's Uh-oh. really tough. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> so, wake up one morning and your hands are just covered in soup. <laughs> okay. Two, two points. One, what kind of soup? And two, what do you do about it? And I should clarify, it's not like you woke up after someone had poured some soup on your hands or something. It's that you wake up with soup hands. You, like, you suddenly have the superpower to like oh. soup from the palms of your hands. Oh, I hate that. It, yeah. You I'm wake not sure up with, I'm liking this. So you wake up with soup on your hands. What kind mm-hmm. of soup? And what do you do? I have a good answer for that. Okay. Go for it. So first of all, what kind of soup? Yeah, what kind of soup? I think... What comes to mind is butternut squash. It's just the most comforting, cozy soup. It's also a nice color, you know, like it's pretty good. It's be less revolting than like other soups maybe. I'm sure my partner will be listening to this because he loves me, I hope, and supports me. Um, so Kanan, if you're listening, hi. His favorite thing in the world is soup. Like favorite thing. And okay. maybe this is like getting into a weird kinky situation. <laughs> but I would just be like, here's my soup hands. Mom, I'm stop listening. Wherever you want. Yeah. Parents, please stop. <laughs> yeah. That's a great answer. That's, yeah, what is, we Even love we supportive couples. Yeah. We wow. adore supportive couples. That's fantastic. There you go. So, yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay. Robin? Mine would be terrible because the first soup I think of is tomato soup. Mm. My oh, poor sheets like would be destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think. The thing is, because I love tomato soup so much, I'd be just like, okay, well, I guess I know what's for breakfast. You know, like that just made my life now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'd do after that. You'd make a grilled cheese. That's what you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would. Katie. <laughs> I don't have an answer to this weird question. <laughs> I guess. I don't really know. Like the soup I eat most is like chicken noodle soup, but it's not chicken because I'm a vegetarian. So like noodle soup with like, you know, chickpeas or something in it because I eat chickpeas. But that I'm not feeling good about that coming out of my hands. I'm not going to lie. I'm not feeling like that's what you want. So maybe we'll just go with pea soup, you know, classic. Um, And I would never eat it again, probably just straight up. I think I'd be scarred. I think I'd give it to people, you know, Yeah. not tell them where I came from. They don't need to know. Yeah. 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 That's a good answer. Yeah. That's really good. What would your soup be? Oh, God. My soup would be probably, I mean, I, I, tomato soup is the only one that I like as well. Yeah. So I think, yeah, tomato soup. But I would not want that secreting from my hands. So um, uh, tomato soup it is, I think. Um, and what I would do with it, God, I think I would pay someone to like give me this device that's like gloves that I would wear. And when I wear the gloves, there would be like a tube and suction. Uh, oh, attached it's to the whatever glove. the, it's a breast pump, but for your hands. Yeah, honestly, yeah. And it would suck up all the soup from my hands, That's go so through funny. a tube and into a container. And I just amass so much fucking soup and solve world hunger. 
Well, that yeah. went from zero to 100 so quickly. Mm. Liz, do you want to go? Like, what made you pick public history since you did a yeah. you know, not history undergrad? That's a good question. So I think I'm one of the only people in our program that is in a history master's that does not have a history degree academic background whatsoever. All of, a lot of my experience just comes from working. Like I worked for five summers at a museum and then the last two at a national park. And so I, that's when I really realized, like I started working in that setting in grade nine and I was so good at just talking to people and talking about history and just being in that environment. And I loved it. And I was like, how do I do this as a job when you work for the federal government and you see the people who are like making a really good salary and, but are also really loving what they do and they get to travel and like do all these really cool things. I was, yes, I want to do that. So eventually I was actually first looking at the museum studies program that U of T offers as a, as a master's, but then I took a public history class in my fourth year and was like, yeah, this is great. I love how adaptable it is. You could have a public history degree and go get your PhD in history, or you could go work in a museum. You could be a politician. Like there's so many different things that you can do with it. And that's why I love it. Cause like you kind of get to dabble in everything. Like in our program, we get to archive, we get to make museum exhibits. We get to do oral history interviews, all these super cool things. And the network is so great too. There's like so many awesome people that you get to meet who are also public historians because it is kind of a small group of people who are public historians. So mm -hmm. yeah, there you go. I'm going to do my phrase and just say, I have a follow-up question. And this is to everyone as they speak. Did you like the school that you went to undergrad? Like, would you choose it again, given the choice? Mm. That's a good question. So I went to Western in my undergrad. I did not think that I was going to Western. Uh, I applied to U Ottawa. Yay, Robin. Yep. And uh, Brock as well. But when I went to Western, I loved the campus. I loved that it was all kind of self-contained. If you've ever been to the campus, it's very romantic, like Gothic architecture, even though nothing is from that period. It's like, this building was built in 1950, but we made it look really old. So you'll like it. But I do love that it's its own little space, its own little kind of city and community. I didn't want something like U of T that was spread out all around a huge city because I'm from a town where 13,000 people maybe live. Like it's very small. So yeah, I, I like that about it. However, I don't like love the campus culture at Western. If you've ever been to Western, I would say it's kind of the closest you'll get to those kind of very stereotypical American schools where they have sororities and fraternities and all we do is party and it's a lot of that and so I don't love that culture here I found it hard I really struggled with my mental health in like first year too so I found the resources at Western weren't the greatest for that either which is maybe something we could talk about in a later episode I'm really open about my experiences with mental health but yeah so but I, I wouldn't be here without it. And I'm still here. So part of me loves it, obviously. I'm still at Western. Again, I love the campus. Uh, I think the faculty here is great. But the campus culture as a whole is a little iffy. So if you're maybe someone who would rather something a little more low-key, something that is a little bit of smaller, almost introverted experience, maybe Western isn't for you. Or go to Huron or go to Kings, like one of the affiliates at Western, you get all the advantages of the beautiful campus and the amazing faculty and being in London and everything else without like the kind of toxic culture that is main campus. That's my spiel. <laughs> nice. 
yeah we're going back to my uh Uwatawa experience yeah there's no other school I would have gone to probably because a big part of it was going to a French program uh Uwatawa is one of the only universities in Ontario that offers that opportunity for me so even though I did start out in business it wasn't French but when I switched over to art history this was one of the only places I could go to in Ontario and still get that uh opportunity so I was really happy to have that and um, I don't regret going there. I learned a lot being there, like being so far from my family and from uh, from a lot of my friends back home. But uh, yeah, the one thing I do regret and I'd say to my younger self is bring a bigger jacket. It is very cold there. It hurts your face when you step out the door. So that would be my, my best advice for anyone looking at Ottawa. All right, Patrick, how did you get into history? How did I get into Yeah, that's the first question. Okay. Yeah, I think the one thing that needs to be understood about Huron is that it is definitely sort of like a generational school. By that, I mean that my parents both went to Huron. They met at Huron. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad is an Anglican priest, and so he was at the seminary at Huron. And that was after my mom graduated, but my mom went to Huron for history. So I grew up knowing that Huron's history program was the fucking bomb and that uh, if you ever want to do a history degree, you could only go to Huron. That was kind of the, the, the vibe. And no, so I went to a couple, I, I viewed a couple other schools. I think I looked into Brock. I think I looked into Laurier, a few other schools. Yeah. And so and I was looking at history in, in those programs, but my family likes to joke that my mom sort of coerced me into going to Huron, that like there was no way that I was not going to Huron for history. But I would say that when I went to Huron's campus, there's there's something about it when you go there. It's a really pretty campus. The campus looks really old. Uh, it kind of looks like you're walking around Dead Poets Society, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like it's, it's a really just, you just feel like it's a place where you should be talking about big ideas. I don't know. It's, it's really great that way. So walking around that campus, I definitely just kind of had this feeling of, I like history a lot. I want to learn history more. Uh, and I want to do a degree in it. And uh, Huron feels like a really nice place. And so I decided to I decided to apply there. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that I love Huron. Opposite to Western, we're a very close-knit community. If you're from Huron and you meet another person who went to Huron, you're instantly friends. Like there is this sort of identifying connection that you have when you go to Huron. It's a part of your identity in some ways. But it's also that sort of situation where you, when you go to Huron, you learn so many things that you don't like about the school. There's a lot of stuff that goes on at Huron that I disagree with different sort of ways of running things, that sort of thing. I'm not going to get into any details because, you know, I don't really want to gripe about it <laughs> at all, at least in this format, I would say. But overall, it's a really great experience. Huron is a fantastic experience <laughs> for, for your time there, um, but it'll frustrate the crap out of you at the same time. Um, but that's just kind of how it goes. So that's my answer. What about you, Katie? So I, when I was about 15, fell in love with history and decided that it was what I was going to do. I knew I was going to do history when I applied. I was going to do IR. I was going to do a double major, IR in history, took that econ course, and immediately dropped the idea of doing an IR. Um, so then I turned to a history specialist, and then I fell in love with art history. So then I became an art history major, which is, I mean, I would recommend it. I got to take a lot of courses, but I did have to overload my schedule most semesters because I needed to fit it in. It was fine. And then in terms of my schooling, so... Okay, one, I would like to say I've known you guys for five months and I've never brought this up. I would like credit from all my friends who are listening to this that I have never brought Trin up to people because it's just like, but the joke in my friend group is that like I am like Trinity born and bred. So it'll be deja vu. Like my parents both went to Trinity. They met at Trinity. 
all my uncles went to Trinity. It's like very much a generational thing as our Anglican friends at Huron is. Amazing. Um, yeah, like I wouldn't have gone to U of T without Trin. We're the smallest college. The application is the wildest thing. It's A, like a 500 word description of your extracurricular experiences and like what you can bring to the college. The second one is a 500 word short story about a picture that they give to you. Whoa. So every year, all the kids write the same picture and they write a short story on it. And then upper years in Trinity get to anonymously mark them. Oh my <laughs> God. Gosh. That's like That's savage. A, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. Some of them are like so bad, but yeah, it's, it's got its own fair share of problems. There's a separate cult within it, but we're not going to get oh into it. It's a whole episode. Oh, yeah. I can give you the yeah. history of Episcopon, which is the cult. Oh, um, yeah. Good it's got a fancy that. name. That sounds wow. awesome. I mean, not us. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. But cool. anyway, yeah, like, but yeah, I like, I liked U of T. I think U of T is a very hard school. Not that other schools aren't, but I think it right. um, is very cruel to its students. And I think that there are a lot of people who don't thrive there and they need to do something about that. I'm just lucky like, I did thrive. Um, and part of that is like, I had friends who, you know, I could be like, my life sucks. And they'd be like, it's okay. We're going to go to a bar tonight. And you'd be like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, fair enough yeah that's awesome well i mean i think that's pretty good for questions uh everyone listening out there all five of you are are able to take those questions and know a little bit about of us going forward so hopefully with the the last episode and this one you you have a pretty good idea about uh what this podcast is going to be about both in content and our uh bizarre personalities uh so if you, if you like these two uh, i'm sure you're gonna like the rest of what we got coming stay tuned on social media to figure out what our uh, our next episode might entail when we dive into maybe our first historical topic or our first sort of i don't know real episode with air quotes <laughs> um regardless thanks for listening as always we love and appreciate your support and and all you folks listening in on this follow us on social media all the social medias i'm not the best person to tell you about these but yeah so this has been episode two looking forward to the next one thank you katie robin liz and myself for for putting this one together yeah i don't know how to end this so i'm just gonna See say on bye. the flippity flop oh digital dust is recorded on the traditional lands of the anishinaabek haudenosaunee lenapowak and atawandaran peoples on lands connected with the London Township and Somber Treaties of 1796, and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant Wampum. This land continues to be home to First Nations peoples, Métis peoples, and Inuit peoples whom we recognize as the contemporary stewards of the land and the waters we are on today. Digital Dust is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Edwards, Katie Gaskin, Patrick Kingham, and Robin Marshall. Sound design by Elizabeth Edwards, Audio transcription by Katie Gaskin. Our theme music is by Matthias Miller.